Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Optimus Solo, and welcome to the Mayhem. This is Masked Mayhem, Episode 5, and with me, as always, is my Thunderhawk co-pilot, TFG1 Mike. Welcome aboard, man. Fucking hell. That's going to come into play later on. Yes. Uh-huh. Sadly, yes. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyways, um, you guys will all catch up on the jokes uh, temporarily, and if you've been listening since episode one, which you all should be, and if you're not, go back and start at episode one, then you'll start to get the inside jokes. Um, In this episode of Mass Mayhem, we will be giving you our thoughts on episode nine, The Oz Effect, episode ten, Death from the Sky, and episode eleven, The Magma Mole. It's another threefer, so buckle up and enjoy the bumpy ride. Where did you find the recorder? In the village. You know, Matt, that's the third village that's been hit by a storm in the last few days. But the villagers disappearing, too. And now, Sarah. Don't blame yourself. Something's out of whack about this whole thing. Excuse me a moment, Dr. Clay. So first up today is Episode 9, The Oz Effect. So for a quick plot synopsis, we start with a group of natives. Uh, native of where? We're not exactly sure. But they seem to be celebrating what we find out to be the harvest season. And there's a nice little blonde female reporter type uh, individual who is documenting or reporting on this celebration. Then we meet what is called at the time the high priest who is threatening the people that the wind god is angry. Welcome in Venom because Sly Rax was the high priest. And they are responsible for scaring all these people away and seemingly making some of them disappear, go to a city in the sky, fall down from the city in the sky. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on. Um, Obviously, Mask is alerted of the charade. So we then assemble Team Mask. We have a quick shot because we've got to see when Mask is assembled what the heck Scott and T-Bub are doing. And they are out in the pool taking a swim oh god um well t-bob's swimming not scott <laughs> so mask is assembled and they go to visit the site of the windstorms and to meet and talk discuss what's going on with the natives 
then they decide to put Buddy in disguise. Buddy in disguise. Um, and to see what exactly is happening, which leads us to our first Mask and Venom showdown of the episode. Venom, though, does have a plan for this because during the showdown, they unleash their tornado effect, which halts Mask in their tracks, basically, and lets Venom get away. Mask regroups, and then they're going to try again. Then they have a little run-in with some quicksand. Uh, They eventually get out of the sand, and it's getting towards the end of the episode, so they eventually foil Venom's plans and uh, figure out where the wind was coming from, and they take care of business and save the day. Anything you want to add about the ending of the episode? <laughs> kind of went over that kind of quick, I guess. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> um, so I that- will say I did enjoy them doing something different this time with the plot where they put Buddy undercover. Yeah, I, that was cool. I thought that was cool as far as just a as far as just a general plot line. Um, instead of it being the regular chase that we get, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. they're actually using their brains. I mean, it's hard to get a hundred percent away from the chase because obviously the main part of this is all their vehicles. One of the main yeah. parts. So there's going to be some vehicle oriented, uh, stuff, but yeah, it was a little bit different. Um, I forgot to say, obviously the members that we had going on today, we had all of the mask members, all eight of them taking the trip to this native land, which I still don't know where it was. Um, and for Venom members, we had all four, but there was another image of somebody that, to me, resembled a one Bruno Shepard that yeah. I know will have a bigger part later on. The thing that was confusing about this is, number one, they don't speak to him as far as calling him his his name or anything. Right. He speaks a little bit, but then there's also seemingly multiple of him. Yes. There wasn't just one person that looked like him. There was, like, a an army of Brunos. Yes. So, so I don't know if this really technically qualifies as his first appearance or not, or we'll have to wait to see, I guess. But it definitely looked like Bruno Shepard. Yeah. So we can only assume that it was his earliest appearance. Um, I do have a question that's not really a high beam or a low beam, so I thought I'd throw it in now. Uh, mm-hmm. Throughout the episode sometimes, we, now we've talked about them uh, putting the mask on and taking them off. Mm-hmm. There's a couple times in this episode, and this probably happened before, where the masks seemingly come out of nowhere. Yeah. And they're just like lowered down from the sky, and the mask members or the Venom members grab their masks. It, it's almost like a... Another Transformers reference. It's almost like Optimus Prime's trailer. Like, where did these masks come from? Mm. Um, I'm not exactly sure. But, I don't know. The, the plot was interesting. It was, again, a one without Scott and T-Bob really having much to do with it. Um, they were behaving at home. They weren't involved, necessarily. It is also, though, another episode where we are randomly in a location that seems to be in Mystery World. Like... We keep ending up in like what seems to be different countries, maybe different continents. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not really keen on letting us know where they're at. Yeah, no. Not saying it's good or bad. It's just an observation. So, any other thoughts on the on the plot of this one? No. Um, Oz and the the Wizard of Oz. I. I just. I guess just because there's a tornado in there, you can call it the Oz effect as an as an episode. 
Yeah. They really didn't have anything else. Well, and and the whole flying island thing, I mean, I guess you could equate that to her house spinning through the tornado. Um, I guess. I was just, I I was waiting for for the building to land on something with red and white striped socks. Yeah, I was waiting to see a little bit more of some Wizard of Oz connections, but I was happy to see that that Vanessa made a reappearance, though. Yes, yes. Um, I don't remember which episode it is today, but there, I, I think it's, I think it's episode 11 and we'll get to that eventually, but there's a scene in there that really caught my eye. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, uh, the plot for this one is just kind of, meh. It wasn't, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I can watch this again. Get out of here. Uh, you're gonna die from the snake bite. I wasn't bit. Rattlesnakes can only be found in the Americas. These are Venom's toys. Let's go. So it's time for some high beams for episode nine, the Oz effect. Uh, starting with the clip that you just heard, I, I got to appreciate that we got to see a little bit of Buddy's intelligence with the snakes. Um, I thought that was a clever scene where he goes in there and he's not even afraid and he takes care of the snakes and the girl's like, what are you doing? You're going to get bit. You're going to die. And he's like, these aren't snakes. These are robots. Blah, blah, blah. Rattlers are not native to this area that we're at, which I think they might have actually mentioned where they were or or else he said that rattlesnakes are only native to America. Yeah, that's what he said. So he at least told us where we're not. Yes. (laughs) He told us where we're not. Yes, exactly. Um, But I I liked seeing a little bit of Buddy's, uh, you know, intelligence as far as that area of expertise. Um, So that was cool. Hmm. This is going to be a very general and vague comment, but I thought that the scenes that showed the mask members doing things in this episode were really well drawn, animated, and painted. Um. I thought it was just, I thought the, the colors were good. I thought um, everything about the, the the scenes that were showing just the mass team, not when they're interacting with other people, but when they're interacting with each other, I thought they were very well done. Um, so yeah. I'll give them kudos for that. It was probably by far up to this point, my favorite uh, mask. There needs to be like a phrase for this, the mask, like uh, lowering down to them, that whole sequence, the montage. Um, the energized sequence. The energized sequence. It was the best one I've seen so far because, number one, they got rid of the word energize. The team did not say energize in this episode. But it was sped up like the previous one where they did say it. Right. So so we got this whole sequence sped up and done in a in a cool manner. You still get to see it, but it's not dragging on. And they didn't make the gay little energized chant. So this was my favorite energized scene so far. Mm-hmm. Um, my other high beam is... In, this is going to be partially in the high beams and then you're going to hear it again in the low beams, but this episode, they seemed like they were playing around a little bit with um, some effects and whatnot. Mm-hmm. One of which I really didn't like and one of which I did like. And the one that I really did like was the, the slow motion that they did and the sound effects when the vehicles were passing each other at the one scene. Yeah. Um, the Venom vehicle is basically jumping and catapulting over the mask vehicle, and they do almost like a slow motion, like, uh, cool little kind of old school sequence that you would almost think that you would find in, like, uh, the Bionic or the Six Million Dollar Man or, or Knight Rider or something like that. It was just like a little cool, like, 
scene, I thought. I thought it was a cool effect. And see, the first time I've seen him do that little slow motion thing. Yeah. So those were my, my high beams for episode nine. All of my notes for episode nine revolve around the assembly of the team for the most part. <laughs> um, uh, Bruce's was, he just left the cars go and they were racing off the track. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alex is birds of a feather. <laughs> he was doing something with birds. Um, Dusty goes back to grab the lunch. <laughs> He's like, oh, watch, I gotta go. Puts his pizza down, <laughs> and then he runs off. He comes back and grabs it and goes uh, goes off again. Uh, this is the uh, fourth time that Matt says, uh, assemble mask. Um, right. Uh, I absolutely love the fact that uh, Matt throws education in Scott's face. Ha! Encyclopedias have lots of pictures. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I thought that was awesome. Uh, I think my favorite thing uh, out of this episode was the music during the first Twister battle between the teams. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like, that That background music popped out to me, and I absolutely loved it. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the mask theme, but it was a different piece of music within it that kind of... It was kind of similar to the theme song, but it was just purely instrumental, and I really, really dug it. I thought it was great. Um, and as I said before, for plot, uh, undercover episode, very, very interesting and different plot line. And that's that's really all I have for high memes. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't like specific stuff for me. I, I don't want to make it seem like I, there wasn't a lot of high points for this episode because I actually did like the episode. Yeah. Um, but there just wasn't a lot of specific things that I could point out. It was more just a, a general like flow of the episode, look of the episode, sound of the episode that seemed like it was one of the better put together ones for I, me. Oh yeah, I, I agree. So so high beams are kind of general in this one. Fast. I'll give you more than backup. probably wondering what the heck you just listened to and um, the reason I put that clip in there was because I didn't have faith in myself articulating my one low beam well enough so I thought I'd let you listen to it yourself. Uh, at one point the Mask and Venom teams are fighting and Venom unleashes this tornado effect to stop Mask and basically the tornado comes in, Mask stops and we have a little scene where the tornado is just destroying some things but there was a weird awkward odd silence like the tornado goes and it's real loud while the tornado's going and the tornado kind of dissipates and as it does the sound kind of goes out mm. and then with no sound whatsoever it scans the village then it starts scanning the ground and then it zooms in on this like on the um, pendant or the whatever it was and then like out of nowhere some like go to commercial music comes on 
<laughs> and it was just a weird, awkward silence. You just got to listen to it, and hopefully you were thinking that that was pretty awkward. To me, that was not well done. It was the only part of the episode that didn't flow or wasn't right um, in an otherwise pretty good put-together episode. So I thought that was kind of a weird moment, and I didn't quite understand why they did it like that. Um, and then I talked about some of the effects that were new to this, like the slow motion thing, which I liked. Another new one, which I absolutely didn't like, was the... I can only equate this... When I see this type of stuff, I think of anime-type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know it's not specific to anime, but they did, like, split-screen images at least three times in this episode. And they didn't do them all the same. There's one where Buddy is in the background... Mm-hmm. And they just put three different squares showing three different mass members who are talking about something related to what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize that they wanted to have a conversation between them, but I just hate it when shows do this. I hate it when all of a sudden you're seeing three or four different people in different locations on the same screen. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of ways that weren't so bad. They did show, uh, again, a split screen when each mass member put their mask on. That mm-hmm. one wasn't as bad, but this one just looked awful. It, it just, it looks terrible. It looks like a kid, like, just cut things out and threw it on the screen. And I'm just not a fan of split screen, so that's a low low beam for me. Mm. The only other one was the joke at the end for me. I don't understand why that joke that Matt told was funny. Like, usually they try to say something at the end that's somewhat clever or somewhat, like, makes fun of someone or something and the whole group laughs. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a classic thing to do in these types of cartoons. Well, they they do this, but the thing they said is not even clever, not funny, nothing, and they and they all bust out laughing, and I just couldn't I couldn't quite connect to that. So those are my joke. I don't... I, it was so bad I don't even remember. <laughs> it was just something that wasn't even. It was like it wasn't a joke. It was like a statement. Yeah. So it made it sound really weird. So those are my three little nitpicky low beams for this episode. What what things didn't you like about episode nine? I only have two, surprisingly. Um, <clears throat> stating the motherfucking obvious. And why the fuck is he swimming in the first fucking place? Oh, you just won't let T-Bob go, this, will you? Okay, T-Bob specifically says, why, why am I swimming? I don't have to swim, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, no shit, dumbass. Uh, you know, I, I just... Well, his question was legit. He was asking Scott why he needed to be in the pool. Exactly. But he stated that he's a robot. He doesn't need to swim. That's that's stating the obvious. And then, of course, you know. Wh- well, that's why he was confused, because it if, seemed obvious to him why he shouldn't be in the pool. I don't know. Um, and then the, the fucking PSA. Oh, God. Sticking everyone. I love the PSA. The PSA was hilarious. Everyone fucking knows you don't stick a fucking fork in the fucking toaster. That was one of the greatest PSAs I think I've ever seen. I was almost rolling on the floor laughing when I saw that. Yeah, but those are my only low beams for this one. I overall, I really did enjoy this episode. It's not my favorite episode of the day, but it was very enjoyable. It wasn't like, oh my god, I cannot watch this. I must turn it off now. Um... For the record, though, the, the, the PSA T-Bob, who is made of metal, sticks a fork, which is made of metal, into a toaster, which is made of metal. I know. And then gets electrocuted. It was fucking hilarious. 
the most bizarre PSA I've ever seen. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. It's a it's a very well put together episode. Um, as far as the actual, uh, you know, beyond the plot, beyond the dialogue or whatever, just the mechanics and the artistic stuff that was put together. You know, the sound, the painting, the animation, everything. It, it was went came together. Besides that awkward silence, came together really well. What? Must be a nightmare. I do not believe this. Believe it or not, it's real, Mr. President. This has only been a small demonstration of my power. Who are you? A friend who could quickly become your enemy if my demands are not met. $25 million in gold to be delivered at once to the Bank of Switzerland. $25 million? And if we don't? Your free world will pay dearly. And you won't land so softly next time. So now it's time to talk a little Death from the Sky, episode 10. Now, in episode 10, we, we journey back to America. So we had our episode in wherever we were at, South America or something like that. Now we're back in America um, for a minute. And the... Only for a minute, though. Yes. Um, because then we're quickly going to be in Europe for the rest of the episode. There is a, a president of some country... I don't know. It doesn't seem to be the president of the United States. Right. Because they're speaking some type of other language, it seems like. Um, but he's, the, the plane is flying through the air. Mm. And Venom takes over control of the plane with a tractor ray that is being used from a submarine. And basically takes control of the plane. The plane loses a wing. And Miles demands a $25 million in gold ransom or the free world will pay dearly. Um, quite the generic threat and ransom there. Yeah. So he wants himself some gold. Anyways, they let the plane down softly. And then we shoot to a scene with the mass people. And first of all, with Scott and T-Bob with what can only be one of the biggest racetracks I've ever seen which was yes. de- designed by Bruce uh, Sato for, for the kids. And then he also had, uh, Scott and T-Bob had uh, cars that were, who who gave him that? that I think uh, it was Buddy that did, get, they, they, they stole some of Buddy's fuel, his super something fuel like that. or something. Or yeah. Hondo, one of them. No, it was Buddy, because Buddy is the mechanic. Okay, yeah, that's right. Um, so anyway, Scott and T-Bob are racing cars and whatnot, to the point where one of the cars flies in by Matt, who happens to be watching news on the television of this threat that Miles Mayhem has made um, but he doesn't know who it is so he goes to his computer, mass computer and runs a voice recognition which actually had happened in the previous episode too. So we had two episodes in a row where the mass computer is doing voice recognition. Um, But anyways that tells him that Miles Mayhem is behind the ransom demands so we obviously are going to uh, assemble the mask team and lead us almost directly into a mask and venom showdown. Yep. In which Venom steals a power booster. And this time it kind of does a clever little thing where they they leave the plane ready to basically crash and take off with the power booster, knowing that Mask is going to try to save the plane and, and forget about Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing, it kind of takes a little bizarre twist, but Venom is trying to basically increase the, the threat and, and get their ransom of gold so now they are claiming that they're going to break off a part of a comet that is going nearby if they're not paid and then they're going to let the comet do some destruction on the free world and whatnot 
at this point, Mask has regrouped and they track them to one of the three or four different possibilities, one of three possibilities, and the Mask computer basically says 99% that they're going to go to Norway to be able to shoot this thing off to get the comet. Mm -hmm. So they go to Norway and we have another Mask and Venom showdown, in which case this time Mask is obviously successful and saves the day. Yay! Yeah, buddy. Um, as far as agents go, we again get a full uh, roster of Venom agents, Miles, Vanessa, Sly and Cliff. So we got all of them. Um, and Mask agents, we only have five this time. Matt Tracker, Bruce Sato, uh, Alex Sector, Hondo, and Gloria. Mm. So those are the... It's a five on four. It's a little bit more even on this fight. I will mention, though... Before, there's another new twist. I think we've seen a lot of different variety as far as how the mass team is assembled. Yeah. I've never heard him say this before, but maybe I just missed it. But I specifically noticed this time that Matt tells the computer to scan the personnel files. Yeah. He says that, that phrase, scan personnel files, and you know, blah, 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 give me the, the best team. Yeah. And I had not seen that before. Um, and also, um, was it this one or... Is this? See, uh, yeah, that's no, that's that's what I was gonna say. It's just another version of that mask assembly team that we've seen, and it's keeps it interesting. I, I, we should almost be keeping track of how many different ways they assemble the team. But what did you think about the plot in this one, and what was going down here? I thought the plot was kind of stupid. I mean, it it's your classic, you know. And when I say classic, I mean classic in general. It doesn't have to be 80s. It could be 60s, 70s, 90s, now. Every cartoon, movie, TV show that has a villain like the Miles Mayhem character, at some point they're going to have a flight disruptor ray or plane crash ray or, you know, some, you know whatever you want to call it. You know, plane tractor beam ray, whatever. <laughs> um you know, uh, they just are. I don't know. I I didn't. Uh oh. The overall plot is just kind of silly to me. Um, and I'll I'll get into that a little bit with my low beams, but uh, I don't know. I just didn't really I, care I, for. I was kind of following with it at first. Like at first, when they are. Uh, using this, you know, to control the plane and their ransom, you know, blah, 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 and then they're going to get the booster so it can do more. But then when the comet came in to play, I really thought that was a stretch. Yeah. That's, I, I really that's started a to huge lose. stretch. And and I'm going to bring this up here, even though it's, I don't, I don't have it listed in my low beams, but what's a huge stretch for the comet is because even even with the booster, this this tractor beam... And I'm calling it a fucking tractor beam. I'm not calling it a goddamn tractor ray. That's That was so fucking stupid. Um, this tractor beam thing, with the power booster, has enough power to divert a comet's trajectory to have it go towards Earth. No, it, didn't then, just, it didn't just divert well, it, though. Well, right. No, I know. I know. Hold no, on. No, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm, it didn't I'm just... getting to that. I'm getting to that. Hold on. I'm getting to that. It didn't just divert it to Earth. It pulled it towards Earth like it was a gravity beam. And it, it didn't just like slow it didn't just change its trajectory like it took a, a slight left or a slight right or a slight up or it slight down. It in the other direction. It did a U-turn. Yeah, essentially, yes. 
it made the comet to a complete U-turn mid comet force, whatever you want to call the right. <laughs> flight of a comet. Right. Like, that was the most cartoony moment of this episode. Well, no, it's it's that that moment and and at the end after the ray is destroyed, the comet immediately turns around <laughs> by itself, <laughs> and it, it's like the um, oh god. I forget which episode it is in 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 G one. Um, when Transformers references. When the um, when the the giant asteroid is 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 broken open and this creature gets released. Remember, yeah. it was in season three. Yeah, there is there is an episode where uh, Devast Bruticus and somebody else is in space and they crack open this giant asteroid, which is apparently this creature's food. It was it was that kind of a thing with this whole comet thing of of pulling U turns and doing this and doing. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Yeah, it had me for most of the episode. It lost me definitively at that point. Yeah, yeah. Are you sure we need all this crap? Maybe more. I promised Bruce I'd check out this new line of race cars he's designing. What I didn't tell Bruce. Dusty gave me a can of high-performance race car fuel to power my cars. Hmm. I don't rate high-performance fuel. Look out! On second thought, maybe I'll stick to one. So we had just talked about it a little bit in in the plot, and you just heard the clip of it. But one thing I did like, I did like that Scott has interaction with the mask members outside of the missions. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of gave me like a feel like, you know, obviously Scott's da- uh, mom is not in the picture and, yep. and his dad is a somewhat busy, you know, big wig type person. Uh, so I thought it was cool that the other mass members almost serve as like uncles or, you know, whatever you'd want to relate them to, to mm-hmm. Scott. And they're giving him, you know, helping him with his, you know, toys and, pl- you know, obviously playing with him at some point and stuff like right. that. So I, I thought that was cool way to show that interaction um and it also was a way to show uh matt has some good tennis form there when uh the car goes into the room that matt's watching tv and he like backhands it with his tennis racket into the garbage yeah that was pretty cool yeah um so i liked that part that little entry and initial segment at matt at matt's house um i also liked uh, sticking with matt a little bit that at, he actually showed some leadership capabilities in this episode in the form and the fact that he actually delegated team members with certain tasks that they needed to perform at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, halfway through the mission or whatever, and he's like, you know, you two, you know, you scan the plane, you go use rhinos, you know, whatever. And there, there was like three or four jobs that he assigned to different people. Right. And, and I thought that was one of the first times I've actually seen him delegate stuff. Um, so that was cool. How about another thing that I noticed in this episode along with Matt? That the Thunderhawk has co-pilot. Fucking hell. The Thunderhawk has a co-pilot named Gloria freaking Baker in this episode and in the next episode. So for those of you following with us since episode one, I was definitely right when they said that the Thunderhawk could and should have a co-pilot. Shut up. Yes, who is right? Optimus Solo. Okay, but that's um, beside the, but, but the point uh, uh, is, uh, 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 hold on, hold on, because i got to address this since you're bringing it up in your high beams. 
The point is, neither of us want to be Gloria Baker. So that's why we need to use Rhino, because we would prefer to be inside Gloria Baker versus actually being that woman. Alrighty, oh, on that note. Horrible, horrible. So those are the high beams for me for the good characters. As far as Venom goes, um, I thought it was a, a slick move and it showed kind of that they actually do have some brains working when they when they left the plane for Mask to save so that they could get away. Yeah, I thought that was a slick move. And I also like the shots that, for the first time, show us that Venom is not completely a four-man team. Right. There are some segments and some shots where they show what seems to be almost a army of people, like a a foot soldier, so to speak, or in, since they look like Cobra characters, almost like uh, vipers. Um, There's a whole scene where they're showing inside the thing that is being used to, you know, shoot the, Inside the submarine, the, the, I'm, the submarine, yeah, yeah. Inside the submarine, and they show at least you know a, a half a dozen to a dozen people that all have the same type of mask on, all have the same type of uniform. So it was cool to see that Venom is more than meets the eye. Ha ha ha! <laughs> so what did you have for things you liked about Death from the Sky? I guess this could technically be a low beam, but I put it in my high beams. I just I thought it was funny, just some of the. Some of the the way that they pronounce stuff or the certain things that are called stuff, Tractor Ray. We aren't in hillbilly country. Maybe they couldn't call it Tractor Beam. Maybe maybe Star Trek or somebody has like a copyright on that yeah. word. I'm just yeah. kidding. And then uh, then I go into my um, my notices of 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 the team members stuff. Bruce just drops the damn box. He's like, "Oh, Matt's calling. I gotta go. I don't care if whatever's in these boxes." gets messed up or whatever he just drops the fucking boxes uh hondo essentially did a five point shot (laughs) (laughs) yeah he had a nice basketball shot there yeah uh what i've noticed is and this is throughout the last nine episodes as well gloria is always abandoning people in cars and cars themselves (laughs) when when she is called yeah uh and as you mentioned earlier in in the podcast, nothing this episode was stated about the energization uh, for for the mask uh, assemble scene. It was, however, um, it, yeah, it was it was a completely different assemble team again. Yeah, and this time it was back to being the very slow version. Yeah, so it almost makes me wonder if number one, either these episodes did not are not in the production order or that they determined the assembly montage based on how much time was taken by the rest of the episode. Um, I'm guessing it's that they're not being ordered in the the way that they were made Mm -hmm. because it seems weird that we've had a couple where it's sped up and then we go revert back to the old slow version of the energize segment sequence. But uh, yeah, and then we go back to the fast one next episode. So it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, it is. Um, that was uh, a little too close to call for Thunderhawk almost going off-road. I thought that that whole scene of the, the, the car hanging off the cliff a little bit. It's like, yeah, it's a little too close for comfort. <laughs> and then my final high beam was, holy shit, now that was an explosion at the end when the thing blew up. 
Yeah. Versus an explosion we had a couple episodes ago that it looked like it was more of a fireworks display versus an actual explosion. Right. Uh, and that's that's what I have for my I-beams. Good work. To all crew on board, evacuate immediately. Bruce? Thanks. I'm okay. But lift us out, man. All right, let's get low. Time for the low beams. What do you have, sir? Well, I was going to say this for episode nine, but it's more uh, its more fitting here. Uh, Lifter has very limited power source. Uh, granted, attempting to lift an entire 747 or, you know, three, five, five, you know, however, however, <laughs> like however many tons of plane weighs is kind of nuts. But they spend all this time energizing these masks and i okay i know i'm kind of like you know doing the double edged sword thing here but they spend this time energizing these masks and yet we actually see bruce barely able to hang on and lifter immediately loses power after less than 5 minutes of attempting to and th- th- i got to piggyback on this because this leads me to probably my biggest fault in this entire episode Mm-hmm. There's specifically, you know, he uses it. He saves that um, the plane basically, and he makes a statement, you know, right after that, that lifter is drained and done. Like lifter's done. Yeah. Okay. They never go back to mask headquarters. Right. They, they never go back anywhere. And all of a sudden, at the end of the episode, he uses lifter again. Yep. That's, That's terrible cool. writing. Yeah, it is. Like, you can't have someone zapped. Like, the whole point of that is that Lifter was done, he zapped it, he used everything he could to do that. So that should have been out of commission for the rest of the episode, unless they somehow returned to Mask Headquarters and regen, like, re-energized it. No, there's no way. Right? Because they would have shown that. No, too. I'm saying unless they would have shown that, which there was no time yeah. for that in that episode, he should never have been able to, they should have found a different thing to use at the end rather than use Lifter already when we clearly have been shown that it's out of commission. Mm-hmm. So I hated that part. Keep going with your others, though. I only have two more, actually. Um, okay, how the hell did Mask get to Norway? <laughs> no, 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 seriously. How the fuck did all these land vehicles get to fucking Norway? That's a good question. Given the fact that they are based somewhere in the U.S., uh, I meant to bring this up before when they were in Central America, but that makes it, you know, that's more a little bit more plausible that you can drive through Mexico. Or yeah, but really, how did they keep getting to all these different countries? Right, exactly, because Norway is across the fucking ocean. They had a big plane that carried them all. I mean, I mean oh, okay, like, again, referencing, trans- re- referencing Transformers in G1. When Optimus and the Autobots had to get to Megatron's dam... They rode hydrofoils on water. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. We are going to have to institute uh, uh, one Transformers reference per show. <laughs> well, you had the G.I. references when podcast. But I, I, I do I mean, have to say, though, because a bunch of listeners, and this is hopefully in the point where you can remember some stuff that we said earlier on, like maybe episode yeah. zero or episode one. Now, we realize it's a cartoon people so please don't fault us for that we realize it's a cartoon we realize that some of this stuff is not meant to be perfect and that you know they have to assume that kids aren't going to think of some of the stuff we're thinking now but the point of these podcasts is for us to pick on you know be some do some nitpicking and, and pick out stuff well, I mean, that as, I, as an adult what we've noticed my, i don't i don't think that my nitpick here is, Ill, is no 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 i'm just saying just in general 
I'm just throwing yeah. this out as a general disclaimer. We realize that some of this is being nitpicky and stuff that, yeah, it's a freaking cartoon. It's made for kids. But the point of these podcasts is viewing these through adults' eyes as the cartoons we grew up in and picking out the stuff that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and that makes no sense. Uh, you know, the, the same thing that um, I need to double-check and make sure it's not in my... Uh, um, you know, the other thing is, I, I know that Mask technically they haven't really come out and say that they're a government agency you know what i mean right i mean it's it's supposedly like a you know private run military thing where you know what i mean it's a private military company but it's like between going to central america or south america whatever and then and now going to norway how do these people get through customs how do these you know it's 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 i mean it's just it's and i know i'm nitpicking here but it's it's serious stuff that you have to wonder because, like I said, unless, you know, unless they drove to New York, got on a giant-ass ferry, you know what I mean? It, it, it's just one of those things that doesn't make sense. And then, this has always been a pet peeve of mine that it isn't just because this was the PSA in this episode, but ride with the flow of traffic. Not on the fucking sidewalk. It is called a sidewalk. So people can fucking walk on it, not ride a fucking bike, not roll on rollerblades, not use a fucking skateboard. It has always pissed me off in life when people are riding bicycles down a fucking sidewalk and essentially nearly running fucking people over that are trying to walk down the fucking sidewalk. Uh, I'm sorry. That's just... How do you really feel? Shut up. (laughs) But that's... uh... That's it for my way. Okay, so besides Lifter being drained, I did have uh, uh, one of my rare moments where I didn't like T-Bob in this episode, and that is when he does the weird gay dance thing that he says when he says, well, blast my bolts. Uh, <laughs> he looked retarded right then. Yes, he did. I'm <laughs> so bad, T-Bob. I also just want to c- criticize the writers in general on these three episodes. Well, more so last episode than this episode, I guess. But they, they've they gone back to not using T-Bob as the comedic character, not giving him good lines, um, mm. and almost just not using Scott or T-Bob at all, yeah. uh, which can be good and can be bad. Uh, another low beam was obviously, like I said before, going back to the slow mask sequence, the energizing sequence. I didn't like that. Mm. Another weird question. Um, when Sly Rax is in his uh, bike with the... Co-pilot, like the the little uh, side sidecar, sidecar, sidecar. Yeah, yeah. When when he jumps into the sidecar and takes off, who who then drives the bike? I can I can only assume it it's an <laughs> autopilot function. I, I I had that exact same thought. I didn't write it down because I thought that you would have brought it up because that again makes no sense. But the 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 easiest explanation I can say is before he jumped, he hit a button that has autopilot. Yeah, I guess. Um, and uh, my last low beam. Is they they use all their powers there to save the plane by you know freezing that thing up and giving the kind of nicely setting the plane down on that like mountain of ice. Yeah, that is the most unsafe evacuation I have ever seen in my life. Matt's like, crew, evacuate immediately, and they come out of this plane, which is basically on the peak of an ice mountain. And they slide down. And they the start mountain. sliding down at, like, it looks like pretty high speeds. Yeah, that made no sense either. And was, was like, that, 
Was no, way would they, no way well, would they just jump out there without being like, whoa, that's pretty steep. Yeah. Well, it was the 80s. But now, was Matt on a radio or did he have a bullhorn? I, apparently, his uh, vehicle that he was in was able to project his sound. It sounded <laughs> like a bullhorn. Yeah, that's what I thought it was, too. So that was, yeah, definitely the most unsafe evacuation I think I've ever seen. So my message is simple, Mr. Prime Minister. If Japan does not agree to my demands, I shall use my magma mold to make Mount Fuji erupt. Tokyo will be destroyed completely. You are aware of the power of magma mold from that little demonstration earlier. You have 12 hours to make your decision. (laughs) And finally today, we get down with episode 11, the magma mold. Now, we were in some type of Central American country in Episode 9. Then we went to Norway in Episode 10. And now in Episode 11, we are in Japan. So anyway, back to that uh, whole idea of where the, how the vehicles get to Japan. Um, so we're in Japan, where Venom agents have been sighted. This is a rare uh, episode, actually, where we start... Almost every episode starts with some weird people that we've never seen before or a weird person that we've never seen before or some country we don't know where we're at, and Venom is, like, the first thing that comes along. Mm-hmm. This episode, we're actually introduced to Mask first. So yeah. we're in Japan where it's, it's said that Venom agents have been sighted, but we're with Matt and Scott and T-Bob and Bruce. Yeah. Now, there seems to be a, a water problem there. Introduced to immediately. Tsunami! tsunami Oh, wait, is that too soon? (laughs) No, too soon, too real. Um, And Matt and Bruce decide that they need to investigate, so they they dive to see what is causing the problem, and they find, well, Matt finds a rare element as he gets put on another amusement ride, theme park ride. I'm surprised they didn't use the same line. and he comes up with this rare element, and then the mask team is assembled, as always. And we immediately get a showdown between the mask team and Venom. But this time, Venom has a little trick up their sleeve, and it's called the Magma Mole. <laughs> and it is a, basically this humongous thing with three different, like, spiky... Uh, I don't know what you want to call them, that basically digs like a mole. Yes. I guess is the only way to, to describe it. Um, and it basically creates a trap for the mask team in these tunnels that they have been, uh, searching through to try to follow Venom and et cetera. And they, they become trapped in the tunnels until Matt, uh, finds a way out, which we'll talk about later. Yes. (laughs) Then Miles, uh, basically we have another ransom. That is the theme of today is ransoming by Venom. They, he basically, puts out a threat that if he does not get paid, he's going to make Mount Fuji erupt. Mm. All right. Well, Mask, meanwhile, who has escaped their trap, regroups and comes down for showdown number two in this episode. They actually showdown twice. Um, And this is an interesting one because we have Miles, who is running the Magma Mall and doing what he has to do. And we have Vanessa, who is actually flying... um, Switchblade. Switchblade. Thank you. You're, you are the, the machine, the vehicle <laughs> genius. Um, so Vanessa's doing that, so we kind of have a different formation there. And at one point, it seems like Vanessa's actually about ready to uh, take down a mask member, where then Miles, by remote control, takes control of Switchblade so he can get back on it. <laughs> and then we have Megamomole, which is basically 
way down deep going to China and, and Matt has to go stop it. Matt's almost on the verge of death. Um, and we have a new, something that I've never seen before as far as this season goes, unless I've just missed it. We have the introduction of the penetrator, which is used to rescue or save Matt. Now, I don't know who came up with that name, but... Uh, <laughs> that was, um... That was Brad's, uh... Um, right, it was a new power by Brad's vehicle. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is the first time we've we've seen... And introduced it. to this power function of the vehicle. Right, because Brad, to my knowledge, I mean, he's been in a couple episodes so far, but he hasn't been predominantly, like... Right, it's we don't like know much about Brad. Buddy. Yeah, yeah, it's not like Dusty and Buddy where they kind of rotate episodes. Or Alex, we've seen a lot of Alex and Bruce. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so the penetrator is used to rescue and save Matt and thus ends the episode, basically, um, because the magma mole is no longer being used by Venom, obviously. Yes. We have almost all of the masked team. We're missing one. Dusty. There's no Dusty. Dusty's off doing pizza (laughs) deliveries or something. And we do, again, have all four members of Venom. So we have Vanessa once again. Thank you. Um, so it's seven on four this time, and I Thank did you notice. Very much. Anyway, we'll get to that later. I did notice this time instead of there was another new thing that the computer said when they were scanning the personnel files. Not only did she, does the computer say scanning the files, but after they finished naming all the team members, she says selection complete. Yeah, which I had never heard before. I believe she has said it before a couple of times, okay. but it's not something that I... Another re- thing that sometimes it, is there and sometimes is not. Yeah, it. I think I remember it from the pilot episode. Okay. Um, and this was another sped-up, um, mask-energized segment. Yeah. Um, and just, again, that I've noticed it, uh, once again, one of the mask members, obviously Bruce and Matt, were there to begin with, so when they, when the computer selects Bruce, there is no scene of any kind, because Bruce is already there. Right, yeah. But it's good that the computer does select it, because what if Bruce was there and the computer didn't select him? Does he have to leave, Does he have to leave then? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bruce exits episode. He has not been chosen for this mission. <laughs> so any thoughts about this plot? Um, you know, the, the magma mole? Okay, for those of you who have been listening to the podcast over the last five weeks, uh, you know, we have said that, or I, I specifically have said, Outside of watching clips on YouTube, I have not seen this series since I was a kid. Correct. I Neither do not remember a lot of what any of these episodes are about, hence why we're doing this podcast. But when I saw the title of this episode, I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. But, man, I was hoping that Magma Mole was an actual mole that spit liquid hot magma, <laughs> not a drill. I like the drill. No, I like I like it, but it's, you know, it's like misleading title because, yeah. you know, and, and like I said before, liquid hot magma, it's a Dr. Evil reference there. Gotcha. Uh, bad accent, I know. But um, I don't know. I was expecting something completely different than what we got. I was expecting like mo- like invasion of the mole people, or you know, I was expecting something really off the wall, kind of like the Rotex thing. Even though we found out that Venom was behind that, mm-hmm. at first it's a really off the wall thing that these right. metal eating bugs show up. 
you know, and and that's j- just going off the episode title for this episode. That's what I was expecting as far as the plot goes. It was a badass machine, though. I will give it that much. Oh, it was. No, yeah, I I, I agree. I I don't. Yeah, I'm don't don't have any problems with the magma mole. I just thought it was a mole that spit magma. <laughs> would have been cool. Yes, would have been cool. I'll get him with the penetrator. Don't try it, buddy. Penetrator doesn't have nearly enough power to go through that much rock. You're gonna come up here and stop me? Biocracko's generator will give you extra power. Buddy. You must stop at precisely the coordinates given by Spectrum, or you'll materialize in solid rock. And I don't know if penetrator circuits can take it. I know, I know. Let's do it. So the clip you just heard is what we kind of talked about a little bit in the synopsis part of this, plot synopsis. Uh, something I kind of did like, even though I questioned the name of of the the ability there, but when Brad uses the penetrator, I thought, <laughs> sorry, I can't even say that. Like, it sounds like a bad porno name. <laughs> it does. But when his vehicle uses this penetrator mode or whatever, I thought it was cool because it's something we had never seen before. Basically, it goes through rock. Um, it, it's, it makes this car being able to pass through rock. Um, in order to get to where Matt was. And I thought it was a cool function of the vehicle, and it's something that we've seen a lot of the other vehicles and what they can do. Obviously, Thunderhawk is, is featured a lot. Yeah. You know, obviously the Venom vehicles are featured a lot. As far as... They haven't really shown a lot of their special abilities, but they have shown their different modes and whatnot. But Thunderhawk has been showcased a lot. Rhino has been showcased a lot. Even Condor has been showcased to a good point. Mm-hmm. Um. In this one, Brad's vehicle to this point, and I can't remember the name of his vehicle, so everybody can harass me and throw stones at me. Um, but Brad's vehicle really hadn't been showcased too much up to this point. And this is the first instance where you can kind of get personalized with his vehicle and be like, oh, that's what his vehicle can do. And it puts it on par at the same level as the other mask vehicles as, like, that's a legit vehicle. Let's mm-hmm. go buy it. I want this one, too. So I thought the fact that they did this whole penetrator angle, I wish they would have named it something different, but I did like the fact that we got to see a power from a different car. Yeah. So that is one of my high beams. Um, again, like I said before, I thought it was interesting that they opened the episode with Mask rather than Venom. That was kind of a change, so we broke the formula a little bit, and I always like when it doesn't become like a cookie-cutter formula every single episode, so that was cool. Uh, did you get a good look at the diving gear that Matt and Bruce were wearing? Yes. I have never seen diving gear that looked like that. That looked pretty no. cool. I don't know why it had to not look like scuba gear and why it had to look like they were going into outer space, but uh, it was an interesting look. I'll give you that. I got to steal your thunder a little bit. Cause yeah. I, know you, I know you like talking about the sequences when the mass team is selected, but one of them really stood out to me this time. And that was when Alex was cleaning and using the broom in, like, the monkey cage. And he gets called. So he just hands the broom to the monkey. And the monkey continues cleaning. I thought that was freaking hilarious. Um, So I loved that. Um, I have a question. I don't know how observant you were in this episode. But at one point they show an old guy. Was that the same old guy that was the bike guy that we saw in Gloria's segment? 
I don't. He looked think... just like the guy that that was with uh, whoever it was, Dusty, and then they he's like takes the car, and so he like says, "Hey, you can ride the bike," and then we saw him later on in the episode. Oh yeah, I swear uh, that guy showed up again in this episode. Oh, I'm not sure. I think he was in Gloria's segment. What um, vehicle were you having issues with? Thinking what of Brad, what does Brad drive? Brad's vehicle. It's uh, Gator, or not Gator, uh, Condor. Okay, then it wasn't Brad. It, who? What's the Jeep? It's the, it's the Jeep. Um, the Jeep. Condor's Gator? the bike. Is Gator the Jeep? That yeah. Then opens up Dusty. And has the... Okay, because there's two cars that I don't know the names of. It's Gator and what's the what's the. Uh... Because there's Condor, Thunderhawk, Rhino, Gator, Firecracker, and Firecracker. Yeah. Um. So I always, I can't keep Gator and Firecracker straight. But uh, the other thing that I liked about this episode, I loved Megma Mole. It was pretty freaking impressive looking. Um. So I thought that was pretty badass with the three drills and whatnot. What did you like about uh, Megma Mole episode? Um. Nothing. Brad is always rocking out. Uh, he's uh, every scene has it is something to do with him and his band or his him playing uh, uh, his guitars. Um, at least Hondo said class dismissed this time <laughs> <laughs> versus just running out of the classroom. I, I do like though that he randomly dismisses the class and where are they going? Like home? Where do they just go to the hallway when all the other classes are still in session? Like just yeah. randomly dismisses class. But you're right, at least he said something this time. Gloria stole a car. Again? I don't know why I said again. I don't think she stole uh, a car before. Yeah. Um, and, and again, as you mentioned earlier, this ties back in. Hey, wait, didn't Gloria have her own damn vehicle at one point? Fuck, now Thunderhawk does have a co-pilot. I still yeah, prefer buddy. a Rhino team, though. Yeah, buddy, Thunderhawk has a co-pilot. Anyways, uh, I, I love, what I absolutely loved about this episode was the animation. I love the way the tunnel scenes are animated. It's so high action, so, the just, it was just so great. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the animation in this episode specifically, it, it seemed like it was more high quality than the previous ten episodes. Agreed. Except for the, I did like the, like I said, in episode nine, I did like a lot of the animation in that one as well. I thought right, these two were yeah. animated really well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apparently, Gloria's aura helmet is more powerful than Lifter. It defeated the magma mole. Yeah, it did. Oh, boy. Um, Shouldn't have been able to, but it did. Yeah. Didn't even get drained. And then at the end, uh, Gloria runs up to Matt like she was going to jump his bones. And she threw her helmet. Yeah. Or her mask. She throws her mask. Now, yes. okay, like, it's fine if you're throwing your helmet, like, on a baseball diamond, if you're going to home plate and you're throwing your baseball helmet, because it doesn't have superpowers. <laughs> yeah. When when your mask is your most important thing that you have, you don't chuck it in the air just because you see Matt. Yeah, this isn't graduation, for Christ's sake. And then it disappeared, FYI. Yeah. In the animation, yeah. she throws the mask, and it disappears. Because I was looking for it in the next scene. It just fucking disappeared. It did. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so but it's good to see that Gloria had a hard on for Matt. Or wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's all I got. I think before this goes any further. How did you ever figure out the cave was here, Matt? Spectrum sonar capability. I sent signals through the rock. 
And also the echo pattern told me where the cave was. This is gonna make Miles Mayhem very un- And some final low beams for this episode concerning the Magma Mall. Starting with my biggest... I'll get to the nitpicks later and the little things. There was only one big, huge thing that I didn't like about this episode. Only one major thing, and that is, at one point, the mask team is trapped inside the, the tunnels of love. Um, and, you know, Venom's done a good job barricading them in. And they don't know what they're going to do. Mass, or Matt, excuse me, Matt Tracker, just randomly goes up to a wall, scans it, tells the guy to shoot right here, and voila, there's another tunnel. Okay, well, to be defending the choice here, he does explain that... He explains terribly. <laughs> well, he explains that he used some... which really makes no sense, because sonar is... isn't sonar for underwater type stuff? Um... Or can sonar be landing? It's usually underwater that you hear it. But basically he was saying that he used, you know, the vibrations and the bounce yeah. stuff off of, of the rock to see where it was and where it wasn't, and he found it. But the fact that he knew exactly where to look for it is my problem. He didn't do, he didn't start walking along the entire wall and then scanning, 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 and finally found a spot. It's like mm-hmm. he walked over and within seconds was like, eh, shoot here. <laughs> and oh, oh! Magically, we have a whole tunnel here that you guys can escape out of. It was a little too nice and, and neat and clean for me. Yeah. Um, so that was my major one. Minor ones. Um, why were they surprised to see Vanessa? She's flying the switchblade, and they all acted like that was like the biggest shock of the episode. Well, it wasn't all of them. It was Matt specifically. He's like Vanessa Warfield. Yeah, he's like Vanessa the... Warfield. What? Yeah. Like. Yeah, she drives. I don't know. Maybe it was that plunging neckline that got his attention so much. (laughs) It was almost like he had never seen her, and it was like an old lover or something like that. When I when I make the video version for this, that that image of Vanessa in the switchblade is going to be playing for at least a minute and a half, guaranteed. (laughs) It was just a weird thing. Like like I like yeah, she's there. She's part of Venom. Um, so that just caught me off guard. Uh. Like I said before, at least it was a quick energize, but they did go back and bring the chant in again. Yes. They they said energized together again. It's well, like I'll I'll kinda of piggyback off of that. I guess Matt delegated it to Hondo this time because <laughs> Hondo was the one that said it. Yeah, Hondo says it and then they all say energize or whatever. Is it was I don't know like I said, I don't know what the actual production order of this is, but it seems almost like Mm. there was certain decisions made like at first we're going to have a long one and we had this for a certain number of episodes and then we did energize a couple times but we realized that didn't work so then we just took it out and had the fast version but in the order we see we see one episode from this version one episode from this version and we're like jumping around that's almost what it seems like to me um and my only other little tiny nitpick was t-bob getting seasick no god i well how does robot get seasick how does robot get seasick yeah, I know. Um, so that bugged me a little bit. He's like hanging off the boat, like seasick, and I was like, "No, that's stupid." How about you? Yeah. Um. The one thing that really pissed me off about T. Bob wasn't even really his fault. It's more so a a writing a writing plot fault and an animation fault. How the fuck did the squid get in his fucking brain hole? Serious, how did the squid get under his metallic head in his brain circuits? Because <laughs> it never showed in the animation, it never when T Bob went overboard, it never showed that his his headpiece opened up. 
So how the fuck did the squid get in there? That's a good uh, question. Matt, when is it Matt and Bruce that were diving? Yes. I know. I knew. I knew it was Matt, but but, but Matt says the the current is terrific. Uh, what? I mean, could you say something like, "Holy hell, the current is really strong," or "Oh my god, we can't swim in it's this." One of those those seldomly used, uh, seldom seldomly used definitions of terrific. Yeah, exactly. But um, uh, my final one, because because the last one actually has to do with the uh, PSA, but um, my final one on the actual low, low beam in the actual episode. Well, I do applaud Scott for trying to save his dad. But since when did he get a fucking boating license? And how the fuck does he know how to drive a goddamn boat in the first place? Because he's a he. Come on, this kid's spoiled to all. I mean, he goes to the Caribbean for school projects. Um, he he probably has his own boat at home. Like, uh, he he's a good driver. <laughs> you just gotta accept it. Uh, and he drives and- he drives T Bob around all the time. That's not saying much. I mean, I mean, T Bob essentially is the. Uh, the DMV vehicle for driving tests. Yeah, um, so Scott has had his driving test multiple times. Uh, yeah, and my note about the PSA was it's it's nothing too terribly bad, but it's essentially our, this was the, this episode's PSA was recycled because it's like oh jumping into deep water or yeah I don't get why water. we've had to reuse uh, PSAs twice now. Yeah, yeah. It was it was again with the deep diving into deep water. Yeah, make sure it's deep enough. We just saw that. Yeah. Like, like, come on! There's a lot of things you can do if you're if you if you got to the. They must be desperate because not only are they reusing them, but we also had to stick a fork in a toaster. <laughs> stick a fork in a toaster, and then we'll reuse them. They must have been desperate these couple weeks to come up with PSAs. Maybe so. Uh, I, I just I don't know. I, I just think that there would have been a million other things that you could have done PSAs about that you should never need to redo them. Well, I, you know, I, this is almost like, um, remember in school when we had to take those stupid, uh, tests, like, yes. yeah, you're not going to get graded on this, but it's going to, you know, tell you what your career is going to be, you know, those, those types of tests or mm-hmm. the, or the personality test that the board of education makes you take Yeah, where they'll have, tell us why you feel angry. <laughs> How do you react when you feel angry against it? You know, they'll have the same, they'll have one question and then like five questions later, they'll have the exact same friggin' question just worded differently. Yeah, it just seems like... Right, and between this PSA and the one that came before it, not in this podcast episode, but a couple weeks ago, you know, essentially it's the same thing, it's just worded differently. Exactly, and there's plenty of other ones that could have thrown in there, so that just was a lack of creativity or a lack of time spent on the PSAs, but they probably didn't want to do them since they were only doing them because they had to anyway. So I guess that makes sense. Um, I think it's time for a super dose of Bruce Sato, though. Mask doesn't know what it's getting into. We'll be right back. You can now hear the Geekcast Radio Network while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Geekcast Radio, you'll have a chance to win money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. During registration, hit the promo code box and enter Geekcast Radio, all one word. 
get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you and your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand. No syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code KeyCast Radio when you register. Angels give, demons take. One more time and good old English partner? He's got a point. Venom's no angel. And if we don't shut them down, they'll keep taking until they get what they want. What's our next move, Matt? To catch a tiger, one must be its prey. Good idea, Bruce. We'll use our Master of Disguise. It's already plenty hot, Alex. But I can't stop this one-way elevator. I can't even break anything. It's all made of endurium alloy. Matt, perhaps the wind can do what the hammer cannot. Ultrasonic vibration. Good idea, Bruce. Spectrum on. Whale cannot swim without moving the water. Ah, gee, Bruce, can't you ever give us a break? He just means that magma mole can't cut through a rock without giving off a seismic wave, and he's trying to detect it. 2012 marks the 30th anniversary for Masters of the Universe. We here at the GCRN are celebrating with a brand new series of podcasts. The Powers of Grayskull series will cover every episode of every MOTU cartoon. Yes, even that crappy new adventure stuff. Join Optimus Solo and TFU and Mike as they tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, and finally masters of Grayskull. You can find the Pogs podcasts in iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Good journey! Now back to Mask and Venom. All right, so now that we are all wiser for listening to that commercial break and Bruce Sato's words of wisdom... It is now time for our overall thoughts on today's episodes, episodes 9, 10, and 11. Before you give us your ratings, sir, how do you feel about these episodes? Uh, I liked episodes 9 and 11 the best out of the three. Episode 10 was kind of, eh. I, I mean, yeah, episode 10 was definitely the weak one of the bunch. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, the first one, we got some different things with the, the storm, the wind god, so to speak, and whatnot. And uh, we had some different, like, types of animation used. We got to see maybe a hint of Bruno, uh, Shepard. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was interesting. Episode 10 was more like one of those bad original plots that we were dealing with those first couple episodes um, oh, yeah. of the series. Uh, where it just kind of went a bunch of different ways. We had this comet thing involved. The only thing I really liked about episode 10 majorly was that we got to see a little bit of the Venom Force, so to speak, and the mm-hmm. foot soldiers, I guess, if you want to call them that. And then uh, episode 11, again, went to some uh, more interesting plot there with the Magma Mole, kind of like episode 9. So I definitely agree with you that that 9 and 11 were, were the high ones, and, and 10 was more of a fallback into earlier episodes. Maybe it was written with the earlier episodes. Like I said, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of these are out of order. Mm-hmm. Which would make sense if they if we found out that they were later on, and I'll do some digging to see if we can find out if there is a correct production order as opposed to viewing versus order. the air date order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about ratings for first for um, episode nine, which is the Oz effect? Uh, three out of five masks this time. I'm I, going... I I liked it. I thought it was interesting enough. Uh, at, at the same time, through the first like five minutes of the episode of like you dumbasses that slyer axe that's not a priestess or whatever the hell it was supposed to it's you know it's not a high priest it's it's fucking venom 
Um, that wasn't the problem. I think the thing that kept me from from rating it a little bit higher was not that there was anything bad. Mm-hmm. To me, there wasn't anything bad. There just wasn't anything that really set it up as this is a really great episode. Like they didn't do anything wrong, but it still mm-hmm. wasn't a great episode. Yeah, that's why I gave it a three. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was really, really interesting as far as the way the animation looked. Um, And it was overall, I I enjoyed it. That's why I gave it three out of five. I also gave it a three because, like I said, it was a good episode, so it deserves at least a three. Was it the best episode we're going to see the entire series? No, I hope not. Um, And I think there has been at least one that's one or two that we've already reviewed that have been better, but it was still good. So I I still give it a three. Now, Mm -hmm. the one that we said is the worst of the day, which is episode 10, uh, Death from the Sky. How do you rate that one? Uh, I'm being generous here. It's not the worst episode. No, it's not. uh, But it's not the best either. So I'm giving it a two out of five. Uh Oh, the world is going to explode. I'm also giving it a two. Um, basically the same reason that I gave the first one a three. I gave the first one a three because it was a good episode, but it wasn't the best episode. Mm-hmm. I'm giving this one a two because it was a bad episode, but it wasn't the worst episode. Right. So I, I agree with you on the two. And then we finish off with the Magma Mole. And what is your rating for the Magma Mole? It gets this rating for two reasons. <laughs> Vanessa's plunging neckline and the awesome animation in the, uh, in the, in the, in the tunnel scenes. It's the very first five out of five. Really? Yes. Interesting. I, I really, really enjoyed Magma Mole overall. I I found myself hardly making any notes for it. I mean, like, my low beams, I only had, you know, even counting the PSA, I had three low beams. Whereas my high beams for it, I had close to, you know, what, eight or nine. Yeah. So I really, really enjoyed Magma Mole. Hmm. I really, I did enjoy it. To me, I, I couldn't decide, though, when I came to, to rating these, I couldn't decide between 9 and 11 which one was a better episode. Um, I, like I think them, 11's better. I like them both for different reasons, mm-hmm. and I didn't really have too many bad things to say about either one of them. I mean, there was just a couple like little nitpicky things. I didn't have like a major thing like I had with episode 10. Mm-hmm. Um I couldn't quite rate it as high as I rated an episode, I think, last week or the week before. So I gave them the same rating. I gave 9 and 11 both threes. Um, I can see why you gave <laughs> gave episode 11 a little bit higher. Um, I don't know about 5 out of 5, but but I can see the higher rating. But I'm going to stick with a 3 on that one. All right. So your first five. We'll see yep. if I ever give out a five. <laughs> um, so that's it for episodes 9 through 11. We'd like to thank you for being a part of the mayhem today. And if you'd like to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do that. First of all and foremost, visit the website, www.geekcastradio.com. It's changing and improving almost on a daily, weekly basis. Uh, Steve's doing a great job. So please visit the website, www.geekcastradio.com. And you can comment on all of our posts at the website. You can send email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. You can leave the show feedback in iTunes. Like we said a couple weeks ago, we've already had one iTunes review. We're looking for more, so please give us some constructive criticism over at iTunes. And if you want, leave us five-star feedback. That would be great. You can follow us on Twitter, Geekcast Radio, or my name at Twitter is Optimus Solo, and yours is... JFG or Mike. 
Become a fan of us on Facebook, GeekCast Radio Network. You can call the voicemail line to tell us the show um, that you're leaving the message for and give us your name. The number is 502-526-5821. Or if you just want to plug basically your mic, headset, whatever you're using to record right into your computer, you can go to geekcastradio.com. There's a button that you can leave us voicemail straight through there, and you don't have to use your phone or call any numbers. So you can do it that way, too. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Mass Mayhem, and don't forget to join us on our next crusade when we will be discussing episodes 12, 13, and 14, a threefer again. They are entitled Solaria Park, The Creeping Terror, and Assault on Liberty. Please tell me that episode takes place in the United States. For <laughs> now, I'm Optimus Solo with... DFG and Mike. And tune in next time when we take another look at what lies behind the masquerades. Mask, where illusion is the ultimate weapon. Convert switch fight to jet mode. Surprise, Matt Tracker. It's mayhem. Battle station. Protect your decoder, Bruce. I'm going up. Stacks, ready to fire. Mask, switch plate, Thunderhawk, and Rhino. Fire! Each sold separately with action figure. Cover me, Matt. 10-4. Sato's getting away. But you're not mayhem. Mask, switch plate, Thunderhawk, and Rhino. Each sold separately. New from Kevin. Illusion is the ultimate weapon. 